This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome. You're watching Destination Draft Day after a impressive Broncos victory. Nick Durst has decided to take the day off. He just knew that he'd be firing off too many hot takes. It would just irritate the both of us. So now it's just me and Brian today. Brian, how's it going? Uh, Michael, I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm a quarter of the way to 0-16 with my Jets. <laughs> so, you know. It's exactly what we thought this Friday would be. So, obviously, the game didn't go very great for just the terms of winning. But the uh, the loss has to be a little encouraging for the Fire Gase fans out there. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's, I guess it was a little bit discouraging to find out before the game that no matter what, Gase wasn't going to get fired. But the truth of the matter is that uh, the Johnsons have never – I'm going to fix this a little bit. Apologies. The, the Johnsons have actually never fired a coach in the middle of the season, and I don't expect them to do it for the first time now. So the Firegaze crowd was – is they have a perfect record, the Firegaze crowd. They're 4-0. And one of the guys we talked about as potentially taking over if Gase were to get fired is now – kind of in some hot water. Greg Williams had a lot of personal foul calls that kind of set off the Broncos themselves, but also just giving up 37 points to a very injured offense that probably shouldn't have been putting up as many points as they did. What are your takeaways from this performance from the Jets defense and how much of it do you think falls on Williams compared to, you know, maybe just the lackluster talent that comes from, you know, some guys in the secondary and pass rushers on the Jets. The giving up of the 37 points. I get that Greg Williams doesn't have a uniform on the same way Adam Gase doesn't have a uniform on. If the team is bereft of talent on that side of the ball, they're going to be bad. With that said, this team played against the San Francisco 49ers and the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, they didn't give up 37 points to anybody until this, until this game, even the Indianapolis Colts, didn't get to 37. So um, this was worse than all of them. The personal foul calls, I mean, what else do you expect from a Greg Williams coach team? I mean, honestly, Greg Williams has that reputation. He 
coaches a certain way. He encourages them to play a certain way. I'm not saying he encourages them to play dirty, but I think he coaches them along that line. The defenses play along that line. And then last night, way too many times they crossed that line. Um, and, you know, it was horrible. It was horrible to watch after. I think maybe one of them might have been, maybe I, I thought not the best call. And then what about the other five, the other six, the other eight terrible penalties that they took? So there's no excuse for it. And at this point, if you were going to fire Gase, I don't even know if the Johnsons would do that because are you going to turn over a team to Greg Williams? You know, I even, a lot of Jet fans in our anger want to just say, yes, give the team to Greg Williams. But when you really sit there and think about it, I'm not sure that's really a much better choice. So one of the biggest issues of last night for Jets fans that, you know, maybe had issues as well with the personal fouls that the Jets had was the tackle on Sam Darnold that sent him to the locker room. Do you think it was a bit of retaliation from the Jets? And I'm not saying they came out and just said, oh, now that they did that to Darnold, we got to go play dirty. But do you think the emotions kind of started from there and it just became an ugly game after that? No, I think they're undisciplined and bad at defense. I don't think that – not to say maybe – I hope that they were upset when they saw their quarterback get slammed on the ground. I mean, anybody really should be, you know, regardless of how good your quarterback is, nobody wants to see your QB one get slammed onto the ground onto his throwing shoulder. So I hope that that fired him up a little bit, but no, I mean, and the response was completely negligent because it didn't put the team in a chance to, in a position to win the game. It only hurt the team on so many occasions. Now, One thing that has been interesting for me is (laughs) for for Pick'em every week, I have in majority three out of the four weeks I've been saying, you know, the Jets are going to pull it off. And I don't think it was one of those things where I was saying like, oh, the Jets should be three and one. But it was saying, okay, the Jets are going to sneak by this week and get a win. And they have continued to lose. Now the rest of their schedule, it's not looking very hot. I mean, their easiest matchup, going forward is probably getting Miami after the bye when they play them right before it. And that should maybe fall into their favor, but this schedule is not looking good. How likely do you think it is that this team is kind of already set in place at number one pick? Yeah. I mean, they're pretty set in place there. Uh, I think that you look at what happened at the end of last season and the Jets actually won a couple of games that they probably shouldn't have and went on this like fake little like run. I don't think they're good enough to do a similar thing this year. So, you know, I don't know. This team is looking at two or three wins, it feels like. I mean, it feels like zero. I'm going to say two or three just because most times an NFL team finds a way to win. If there's a team that's going to go 0-16, it'd probably be the Jets. But getting Miami before and then after the bye like that might – like you said, lend themselves to getting one there. Um, It also depends on what happens with the Giants and with other teams that frankly aren't very good, right? So, um, but you are looking at a, maybe a a four win, a four to six win football season in New York. Not counting the Bills, obviously. So there are countless people on this Jets team that are on the hot seat, but the most notable three is Sam Darnold, Adam Gase, Joe Douglas. Of those three, Let's just kind of go one by one. Let's start with Joe Douglas. Obviously, he is new to the job, sort of, so a lot of the blame hasn't really fallen on him. But there has to be some questions about just 
how lackluster in talent this team really is. And I get that the offensive line's improved, which is credit to him. There's still work to be done, but he has invested in the offensive line, getting pieces like Mekhi Becton, getting solid uh, pay for your star player in Jamal Adams, having to deal with the opt-outs of stars like C.J. Mosley. But there are just a lot of empty spots on this roster where the talent just isn't where it should be. As a Jets fan, but also as a, you know, smarter football fan that really looks into it, what would you say the chances are that we see Joe Douglas get relieved of his duties this offseason? Oh, uh, slim to none. There's uh, no chance. Uh, Douglas has done a really good job with the trades, as you said. Uh, Got a lot more for Jamal Adams than some other GMs probably would have been able to, frankly. Uh, But – there are way too many holes on this roster still, and he has to address them. But when you think about it, uh, the head coach is going to be the number one scapegoat, and the quarterback who Douglas didn't draft would be a scapegoat before he would be also, and he'd probably get his own crack at taking that quarterback, that you know franchise-altering player, um, potentially. So Douglas, I think, is pretty safe. Uh, there are a couple things that I wonder about. One of them is... Why was Makai Becton playing last night? And maybe that was a decision uh, by Adam Gase. I know that Becton was supposed to sit and there was an injury right away, but still my, my prized offensive line, you know, draft first round draft pick. If he has a sore shoulder, wouldn't have been playing on, you know, on the short rest last night. And moving on from Douglas, the next one that's on the hot seat. And I, I know most of your thoughts on this, is Adam Gase. I think it's safe to say with a bad season, Gase will not be returning. But how important is it that the Jets go and get a solid coach that can really implement a much safer game plan for what will most likely be a new quarterback or just, you know, a new team definitely directionally in terms of what they plan to do and operate with and what kind of ideologies do you think the Jets would kind of follow when looking for their new coach? Well, you figure the whole league is looking towards offense. So the first direction you look is probably towards an offensive mind. It's, you know, it started with, not started with, but it really, you saw it with the Sean McVay. And as Nick mentioned last week, everybody who knows Sean McVay then, you know, kind of gets a job. I think Eric, I mentioned it last week, but Eric Bieniemy is like, you know, the guy who runs an innovative offense. Yes, he has a great quarterback and they have a very good team, but I mean, he's really proven himself as an offensive coach, you know, time and again, and hasn't really, you know, gotten a chance yet. So if he wanted to come to the Jets, I think a lot of fans would be excited to uh, go in that direction. And, you know, the big thing that Joe Douglas has been trying to do is change the culture. I think that comes along with, right, with getting a good head coach and getting good players is changing the culture. But you know, winning helps change the culture and changing the culture helps winning. And those two things have to sort of meet in the middle somewhere. And right now they're not. Uh, I don't know what the exact answer to that is, but it's obviously not Adam Gase. And so step one is, you know, starting a search and hopefully Woody and Chris Johnson, you know, having, you know, an open mind and maybe, maybe we don't just take Peyton Manning's word for it, you know, the next time around. So as a fan it's easy to be critical of any decision that your team makes, 
in New York, I think it gets amplified to higher degrees than anywhere else. If the Jets were to maybe not meet expectations with the hire, but go with someone that they kind of believed in, how I don't know how receptive do you think Jets fans would be as compared? Like, let's say they bring in a Josh McDaniel, someone who has failed before as a head coach, and it may leave a little bit of a bitter taste in some people's mouth because he's already failed as a head coach. And we've seen Gase kind of get that job after failing as a head coach in Miami. Do you think Jets fans would immediately just be very turned off by a hire like that? Or do you think they would still embrace it because it's a new guy and it's not the same one that's coming in? Yeah, well, first off, I probably don't even have to tell you. This isn't a city where everybody is going to agree or approve of any hire that's basically ever made. I, I really can't think of many hires that have been uh, universally a applauded you know um i think the joe douglas gm hire a lot of jets fans actually did uh like so i would like to think that the next coach that joe douglas chooses might in the end even if there was a little trepidation at first from about half the fan base if they didn't get a certain guy that they wanted um that they would attempt to be optimistic about it knowing that it was anybody else uh you know but the current coach, I guess that's the only good thing about bottoming out is that you feel like you have nowhere to go, but up, um, you know, I guess it probably also depends on who the candidates are as well. I think that a lot of people were disappointed last time around that the jets turned down Mike McCarthy or weren't interested in Mike McCarthy or didn't go after him hard enough. And, you know, cause he is a, at least a proven successful head coach in the, in the league. And it would have been a much safer pick. So I do wonder also whether Jets fans would be happier with a safe pick, but, you know, half the half fan base is going to hate it no matter what. But ultimately, I think that they would be embraced as long as it wasn't a pick like Gase. Uh, a retread of a failure, your exact example of Josh McDaniels. Uh, I think McDaniels specifically would be accepted a little bit more because he's still a Belichick disciple. But another retread of a, of a, you know, failed previous head coach, you know, uh, a Hugh Jackson or bringing back Todd Bowles or just anything sort of like insane like that. It would get a Marvin it. Lewis in there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get Hugh Jackson. Just forget it. Just bring, <laughs> we should have Hugh Jackson come finish this season with Adam Gaze. Yeah. So going on from head coach, obviously one that many Jets fans and NFL fans are torn on is the debate of Sam Darnold. I know your opinions already. If they fall to number one or they have someone that they love and they're picking, let's say, number three and Lawrence is off the board, but they love someone like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, someone else who maybe rises up the boards, then you would be okay with them going quarterback. But when it comes to this team, do you think, let's say they get the number one pick, how much do you think they should entertain the idea of potentially trying to get a King's Ransom and really just – taking advantage of loads of draft picks for the next two years, trying to really make it work with Darnold? Yeah, that's a great question because my first thought, anytime a team gets the number one pick, but they have a ton of holes on the roster is, you know, move back, get, uh, get the, get the ransom. As, as you said, basically, you know, a, uh, a, a Rams for RG three pick style, you know, full on ransom, um, a, 
Oklahoma City Thunder for Paul George type of, you know, ransom, get all the draft picks, fill a bunch of holes at, at one time over the course of the next couple of years. Uh, I love that idea. At the same time, the quarterback is so important that if there's a quarterback there that you think is going to be the face of your franchise, but you pass on him because you want to fill five or six holes, that's a little tough for me. If, if the Jets had the number one pick and they were absolutely convinced that Trevor Lawrence is the next Aaron Rodgers, well, you have to take a chance at taking that guy. And it's without a doubt that the Jets still have plenty of draft capital that they'll be able to at least plug in a few spots with some new draft picks that will no doubt have some high expectations stepping in. What are some other positions that you believe the Jets really must address? I know there's already holes at wide receiver, edge, corner, and you could really name so many positions, but – are there any spots that you think, hey, this one's not being talked about enough, but we really need to make sure that we go and get someone at this spot or else we're going to continue to have many issues for this team? Yeah, I mean, it might be easier to just make a list of the positions that they're solid in, you know, because I don't know how many of those that there are. Um, you know, I, I think this year has presented more, even more questions, you know, than answers because Mosley opts out and you think, well, the back of the secondary is strong because we have Adams and then Adams gets traded. So now nobody's really there and you're not exactly sure even how it looks. I don't even know how to judge Bradley McDougald and Marcus May um, at safety this year when you have just so much, you know, the, the lack, and I'll just answer your question like this, the, the, the DN, the pass rusher, you know, and the Jets have tried to address this with a couple of depth draft picks um, in the past, uh, somewhat recently. But, you know, you saw repeatedly last night, third and four, third and six, third and eight. It doesn't matter that Brett Rippon's making his, has thrown nine career passes. You give him a couple seconds to throw, the Jets have absolutely no pass rush, and they converted five or six third downs on, on, that, same, on that one touchdown drive. So, I mean, the pass rusher, the Jets haven't had a good one since John Abraham. It's been a really, really long time. Um, that's probably the position that I'm, you know, looking at, even though cornerback, like you mentioned, <clears throat> just just a lot, a lot of defensive positions, especially. So you mentioned C.J. Mosley. Do you think that it would be best for the Jets to kind of move on and try to get more and more draft picks for these players that are able to bring in draft capital? Or do you think it's important to have these veteran pieces that can kind of maybe help guide the younger pieces right now and then once time comes that they can – go for a playoff spot or compete for potentially more. Maybe he's not playing to a ceiling that he once was, but he's still a key veteran for that team to kind of have a leadership presence. You need a couple. And like I said before, you know, the Jets before they get before they get any good, because they're not even close, is you know, you have to start to change the culture a little bit. And C.J. Mosley is a culture-changing type of player. He's a star player. He's a guy that every single person on that defense, regardless of age or how long you've been in the league or how much money you make, can look uh, to. You know, and the Jets have had healthy C.J. Mosley. You know, really, they had him for one half of football, and it was in Week One last year. And the second C.J. Mosley got hurt, it all went sort of downhill um, last year, and it's never really gotten on track since. I would actually be really happy to have him in the middle of the defense, um, you know, next year for what will also have a lot of new faces and cause he'd be someone to look to. 
And I think when you look at the potential of Sam Darnold, there's still a lot to love there. Jets fans that are still fans of Darnold don't hate the idea of him staying around if he were to, you know, pick it up a little bit and get them out of that number one spot. What do you think the fair trade compensation would be as a Jets fan when you're probably, let's say you get the number one pick, you're going Lawrence, everyone knows it, but you still want to try to move Darnold and get some compensation for him. What do you think Jets fans should be looking to accept when it comes to that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is going to be answered by how this year finishes out, which is why even if Jet fans who are sick of Darnold and want him gone and want them to lose every game actually should hope that he performs well because that exact situation that you're talking about is one that could happen. You know, if Darnold plays really, really poorly for the rest of the year, they're not going to get more than, what, a what would they get, a mid or, mid or late round you know draft pick for him? If he plays really well and another team says, hey, we'll take a flyer on this guy, maybe you get a third rounder or a second rounder or something. I'd be honest. I honestly don't know the perfect compensation for draft capital, especially for a quarterback who hasn't played that well, but is also on a terrible team. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I think that the, he was the number three overall pick. You're never going to get anything close to that um, for Sam Darnold. So at this point, I think the best you could probably hope for is that you'd get, what, a second or third round pick or something like that. And that'd only be if he played really well the rest of this season. And we got a comment from the comment section. Time to get an actual Jets fan to chat on this. And we welcome Joe. <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah, right? How great is it? Uh, what's up, guys? We are just talking about Thursday night game. You know, obviously, as a fan who wants them to win, it's not fun to watch. As a fan who wants the team to tank, maybe it's a great game to watch. So we were just asking about it. And for this team, there's so many holes on the roster. Let's say that they got the number one pick. Most people are going to be going for let's draft Trevor Lawrence, even though maybe you might be a Darnold fan. The upside of Lawrence is just hard to overlook. As a fan, though, would you encourage the idea – of trying to collect the King's ransom that you'll get for that number one pick in order to address how many holes are on this roster. Yeah, there are a lot of holes on this roster. Uh, so from my standpoint, uh, I've always liked Sam. Uh, I think he's got talent. Uh, I definitely do think, though, that when you watch these games, he is not absolved of, of all blame. Uh, he looks like mostly the same player that we saw when he came into the league two years ago. Uh, and obviously, just a, any type of lack of progression is more to do with, I think, a lot of what is trying or, or attempting to come around uh, surrounding him. Uh, that obviously hasn't worked. Uh, Adam Gase has, has not been a really good fit for him. Uh, obviously, they don't have many receivers. The, the defense, they traded Jamal Adams away. So even though Quinn and Williams has kind of looked really good the past couple of weeks, you know, he's finally starting to come around. Obviously, there's there's no nothing to work with on the defensive side of the ball, right? So, the premise for the Jets was they were going to finally get the quarterback, right? They finally got the quarterback. They got that part right, but it's everything else that they got wrong that came along with it. The average, uh, the uh, the roster when they, uh, when Sam was drafted was at best overall probably below average to mediocre, right? That's being generous. And with the Sam trade came the trade of the second round picks 
with Sam. Now, granted, the Jets for the last, I'd say, 12 years or so just have not been able to draft whatsoever, right? So in the, the long run, those second-round picks are probably, you know, negligible, right? You know, uh, maybe they don't get starters there. Maybe they do get starters there. Who knows? But point being is that they were included in the trade. The Jets had really nothing to work with, and then they decided to pluck Sam, and they were like, here you go. You know, we finally got the quarterback. You know, we haven't had the quarterback in 40, 50 years. Finally got one, right? But, again, that's not the simple solution because everything else around him uh, had not started to, ve- to develop coming together yet. Uh, and, obviously, when you don't have as much talent as they do, then it's significantly harder to even put your best player in a position to, to progress to the, the point that he should be at now. Uh, and now it's a problem because the Jets are probably two years away from being two years away. Uh, they definitely need to start rebuilding other areas of the roster. I see you. I see you. That a little smirk. You like that comment. Uh, but yeah, they are two years away from being two years away. And it's just frustrating that at this juncture, the best move, I think, for the, the franchise's standpoint is to not pay Sam, not because he hasn't shown he's not worth the money. You know, I think he's going to be worth the money. I just think the timelines at this point don't align. They're going to have to make that big decision uh, for Sam coming up next year, right? And how could you really evaluate and make like that decision to pay the quarterback when everything is kind of the way it is, right? So uh, if they were to get the first overall pick, obviously you have to take warrants. He's a special prospect. Uh, and then you would have to move on from Sam. What I will say, though, is that uh, the the closest comparable trade that I think we've seen recently was the Josh Rosen trade, right? And the Dolphins ended up giving a second-round pick for him. Now, I don't think Sam can get a first-round pick, but I do think that Sam can get a pair of seconds or a second or a conditional third or some type of combination like that because I think the teams that would be interested in him would be teams that are already have kind of like a winning thing in place. Uh, probably teams that have a solid defense in place, a good head coach in place, a really solid offensive line, and teams that are coming off having their their veteran quarterback from this year, right? So think the Steelers, right? Right off the top of the bat, they're one. I thought they would be in on Rose and they weren't. Uh, the Colts are another team. You know, how long does Phillip Rivers have to go? It's not much longer, right? Uh, and even then, We've seen Rivers kind of have his turnover issues as the season progresses. Uh, he's kind of one of those guys who doesn't really, I don't know, keep his arm strength, you know, well into the season. They're going to probably be in the market for a quarterback next year, right? Other teams like the Saints, obviously Drew Brees is 40-something years old. Uh, you never know if there's a team like the Panthers, who right now they decided to go to Teddy Bridgewater. If they're competitive and they're kind of sitting and they're drafting fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth overall, and they're not really in a position to move up for a quarterback. You know, maybe it makes sense that they take a chance on on uh, on Sam, right? So I think the Jets are going to have options. Uh, I do think this is going to be a case of Ryan Tannehill 2.0. Or uh, I wouldn't even go as far as, like, obviously he's more talented than Kirk Cousins. But I do think that this is go- there's going to be a point where Sam and the Jets mutually agree to move on. Uh, if they land the first overall pick, they're going to take Lawrence. But if they if they're in that kind of like weird in between stage where they they have like the third or fourth or fifth overall pick, I could see them still trading down and getting a boatload and then trying to to figure out next year and do it the right way where they they accumulate draft picks and they use the money on uh, their cap space that they have to to sign free agents. But yeah, it's not pretty, not pretty at all. 
Uh, very doom and gloom again. You know, same old Jets, just end the season, all the, the cliches that you want. Uh, but my my thing right now is we have, we have to fire Adam Gase because after the way he handled last night, uh, it's not even just for Sam at this point. It's for the rest of those guys. I mean, he's putting these guys in a position to, to not succeed. He's juggling our first-round pick, Mekhi Becton. Uh, obviously, he was hurt going into the game last night. You know, he ended up playing a little bit. Uh, you can't have that. You know, those those kinds of decisions, they should be getting you fired. And obviously the Jets won't do it because they're cheap and they're probably just waiting out to the end of the season to fire him, which I would understand on some level. But to me, the incompetence knows no bounds. Uh, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. He's super arrogant. Uh, times when I'm watching the Jets now, it just seems like they're going through the motions. It doesn't really seem like there's any emotion or passion there. Uh, it's very, very obvious. I think that he has lost some of the guys in the room, but again, you know, maybe they're waiting till the end of the season, but it's, it's not really too bright. <laughs> it's not really a great situation right now, guys. Thank you for letting me rant about this. I needed to get it out. <laughs> no problem. So talking about Sam Darnold and the Jets, there are many quarterbacks around this league that come next year, probably will not be the starter for their squad. You look at you know, Darnold already for the Jets. You have questions about Haskins for the Washington football team, Bridgewater for the Panthers. There's even guys like Breeze who may be retiring, Roethlisberger in that same boat. And then you have guys who are still trying to fight for those jobs. Whether they played better this season or not, there's still questions. You have guys like Minshew, Derek Carr, and even Drew Locke, if he's not able to bounce back after getting this injury that kind of sets the Broncos back a bit. If they're drafting early enough, they could be in the market to look at that QB position. And then there's questions for probably more established QBs who have had not as hot of a season, such as Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz. Where do we see QB changes happening this offseason based on what we've seen so far in the NFL? You want me to go first? Joe? Go ahead. Either one. <laughs> Brian's like, yeah, Joe, keep talking. That's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I – See, this is this is why I think a lot of people think like there's going to be, let's say the Jets were to go in that direction and to shop Sam. A lot of people don't think there's going to necessarily be a market for these guys. And the truth of the matter is, is that when it comes to quarterbacks, there's always a market, right? There's always three, four or five teams in the offseason who are at that stage where their guys retiring, who they had a stopgap. You know, maybe they're trying to break in somebody new or, or maybe they're they're in the case like with the Jets where they drafted a guy a couple of years ago and he's he's. uh the timeline isn't really matching up and, or maybe he hasn't, you know, grabbed the bull by the horns yet and, and proven to be the guy. So there's definitely going to be market uh, for quarterbacks. And, you know, you may, you, you mentioned a great point, right? So I, I mentioned the Steelers, the saints and the Panthers, right? Uh, like I said, the Colts before uh, Washington's another great example. Uh, I think Haskins has been solid to start the season, but again, it's one of those things where he's going to need to show more, I think, I think Haskins and Darnold are in a similar boat where it's hard to blame them because of the right. cast around them. But yeah, I, I wouldn't blame just... either guy yet either. Uh, and then you don't know if, you know, maybe the Falcons decide to pull the plug on Matt Ryan. Maybe they decide to rebuild. Maybe the Lions decide to pull the plug finally on Matthew Stafford. Uh, I definitely think Stafford deserves an opportunity to play out his final two, three, four years on a, on a team that has a chance to win. Uh, you know, unfortunately, that's. Just some of the the, the breaks sometimes when, when you're in the draft, you know, obviously, you know, you have 
only very few players have ever dictated where they want to go. Most of these guys have have no uh, real rhyme or reason to 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 want to influence where they go. But uh, you know, who knows? Maybe that starts to happen now in, in these 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 coming years. But Stafford may move. Ryan may move. We saw Rivers move last off off season. We never thought the Chargers would move on from that guy, right? So there's always going to be a market. There's always going to be teams involved with these quarterbacks. And I think we have reached a point where there has been such an influx of young talent into the league. And I think there's a lot of guys who are on their way out. So obviously we don't know how long Brady's got to go either. You know, is this his final season in Tampa? He's going to try to go maybe a year after this and then call it quits. You know, we don't know. So Brady and Breeze and Ben, possibly Rivers, uh, and then obviously the, the situations, like I mentioned with like the Falcons, uh, and teams like the, the Lions or even the Vikings, right. You know, Kirk Cousins has not had the best start to this season. Obviously he was only signed to a three-year contract. What are the bears going to do? They didn't pick up Trubisky's option. You know, Nick Foles is obviously not the long-term starter. So I think between all these guys going out, uh, the quarterback like carousel getting more active than it's ever been before. And I think with the influx of young talent, there's still a lot of guys around the league who I think are going to probably eventually get the chance to, to try to maybe win their, their teams over in their second spot. Maybe a guy like Derek Carr moves on from the Raiders and goes elsewhere and has some success. Maybe Sam goes, you know, somewhere else and has some success. Uh, we saw Jameis Winston, you know, leave Tampa Bay. He's the backup in new Orleans. Now. Uh, yes, he went 30 for 30 last year. But he's a, a super dynamic, you know, potential talent. Uh, he may get an opportunity to start again. And then there are guys like, uh, like even Marcus Mariota, who, uh, you know, he didn't grab the bull by the horns in Tennessee, but he he showed enough, especially in the red zone where he was efficient, uh, to the point where you know he may even get you know a second chance opportunity again. You know, we've seen Tannehill make good on his second you know lease on life, uh, and then. Uh, I just I had somebody else in my mind I forgot but uh but yeah so there there's definitely going to be a lot of teams in the market for a quarterback and I do think that some of these young guys who have been around the league uh definitely do have some value you could get some value really good price for these guys instead of uh moving up in the draft and you know feeling obligated to need a top 10 pick to get these guys uh the Patriots showed us that you can kind of take a flyer on a guy like Cam Newton free agency and so far he's kind of worked out so to me, I think over the course of the last couple of years, we've seen teams go up for guys like uh, like uh, like the Jets went up for Sam. Uh, the the Bills took Allen, that worked out. Uh, the Browns took Baker, that's kind of like so so right now. Uh, the Cardinals took Rosen, that's so so because they took Kyler the very next year. Has you know what I mean? So just the, taking a quarterback in the top ten or so, and this is with Daniel Jones too. It's not necessarily a guarantee. All you're really doing is assuring yourself that you have uh, a baseline for the position that's higher than the rest of the league. You follow? So, uh, and then we could even go back to 2016, right? Carson Wentz, he's kind of struggling this year, big time. Uh, you know, first couple of years were very promising, even with the injury. And this year he's kind of really struggled to the point where the Eagles are like, well, is, is, is this really the guy? You know, is this the guy that we thought we were getting four years ago? And then I always see criticisms of guys like Jared Goff, I think golf is fine. I think he's super talented. I think he's in the perfect situation to get the most out of his talent. So to me, like I said, there are a lot of young guys who 
may necessarily not really be entrenched in their current situations. And I think in the next two or three years, there's going to be so many openings that these guys are going to be able to shuffle around and have some value. Uh, I can't see teams uh, going up in the draft and like capital to, to, to get a, uh, you know, pick unless you're really, really, really super confident, you know? Uh, I mean, it worked for the chiefs and the Texans with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, but it doesn't work for everybody. It, it, it doesn't. And I think if anything, the last couple of years has shown us that if you go up and you get the quarterback and you're not hundred percent, right. It could actually, it could actually set you back. So uh, I want Brian to start talking. Cause I've, I've done nothing but talk for the last 20 minutes. So I want to get him involved again. No, I want to I want to say that Joe actually hit on something that I think is going to be really big and that I think uh we're not going to see as many new starting quarterbacks as we've seen meaning fresh out of college in the last 3 years we've seen so many quarterbacks kind of take the mantle of their team. Some of them have sort of worked out, Josh Allen, some of them have not sort of worked out, Sam Darnold and uh but I think what we're going to see is a lot of a lot of guys that are leaving their team after this year because of the you know the weird way that this season played out and that this wasn't a normal season you're going to see get that second chance i think a couple of guys that joe mentioned specifically like you know Derek Carr might be done in Oakland but i think some team is just going to sign him you know like i just think some team would sign him and give him a chance like and you know i i would definitely um expect the same for like other quarterbacks that are sort of run of the mill they might be average they might be above average what do we know if minnesota moved on is somebody not going to sign kirk cousins they just are like whether or not kirk cousins is any good still like they just are so I mean, I think we're going to see like a lot of the same guys as starters, but they might be in different uniforms. And that's sometimes kind of just as fun as like getting a new draft pick. Yeah. yeah and the Oh, go ahead. You got it, Joe. You know, I just wanted to bring up one last point. There's one guy who I haven't mentioned in this conversation yet, who I think is really going to, uh, if, if his situation gets to this point, I think he's going to have a, a really good off season. And that's Dak Prescott, because uh, I think if you're a team, and you don't have, you know, a quarterback set for your next two, three years after this year. Uh, and you would much rather just kind of open up cap instead of spending the draft capital on a quarterback. You know, you could do a lot worse than Dak Prescott. I think given his scenario, I've seen enough from him to to kind of say that he's actually underrated. I think he's super underrated. And I think because of the question marks where a lot of teams are going to be kind of scared to go after a quarterback. I think the Cowboys will be dumb to let him walk the free agency because somebody's going to throw a boatload of money at him and whether he's worth it or not, doesn't matter. I think though his body of work over the course of his first four years of his career has shown me enough that he can be a game breaking type of talent. Will he sustain that from week to week? Not necessarily, but this year he had that rough game in week one. They had the pass at the very end, callback on the pass interference. Uh, they went down big against Atlanta. They came back to win that game. Uh, and then they had the opportunity to win in Seattle this week. And obviously the, the penalties near the end kind of cost them the opportunity to win that game. But to me, adding a guy like Dak, especially when you could do it for just cap space with a lot of teams have the, the available cap space and means to do so. Uh, that's going to be an option for a lot of teams this season. Who's to say that the Jets don't trade Sam for two second round picks, 
get the first overall pick, trade down, and then sign Dak as a free agent. You know what I mean? You know, there, there's a lot of – a lot of Jets like fans that. would not necessarily like that move. But that's something that I can see Douglas seeing uh, – D- Douglas doing uh, because I think Douglas understands that above all else, nothing's going to work here unless he, he infuses this team with so much more talent, right? So if you bypass Sam, right, you took Sam uh, a couple years ago, right? You took him at the, the top of the – what was it, the 17 or 18 draft? So, I mean, Dak went in 16. You know, what is the age difference there? Is there really a significant age difference? Is that one or two years really going to make a huge difference in, in what they feel like their timeline is? I don't know. You know, that's always an option too. So what we saw from Kirk Cousins a couple of years ago, he made the smart decision for himself to, 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 to go and grab the money when he did. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with Dak. And that might happen with a guy like, like Derek Carr which is also why I brought his name up into this before because for some reason John Gruden doesn't seem married to him and I think he's a pretty good player and now I've always he's always passed the sniff test for me so it's going to be very interesting I think there are going to be a lot of people anticipate there not being many quarterback openings this this offseason I think there's going to be at least 5 to 6 or very teams very very open to either drafting a guy or trading for a guy or signing a guy or just like moving on from their current situations. I think it's going to be very active this offseason. After the Cowboys win the NFC East and finally go to the playoffs. At seven and nine. Division's terrible. Yeah, exactly. At seven and nine. Uh, they are finally going to like, I guess, figure out. They're just going to figure out this Dak thing. I know he he's asking for such a large portion of your team's salary like for him to ask for actually 40 million dollars even for a team like the jets that has all the cap space in the world it's such a large amount to allocate to anybody let alone a quarterback who definitely is you know easily in the top half has flashes where he does like top 10 type stuff but like like you said the consistency isn't always there and you actually have to build the offense around him and what he does well and the Jets have so many holes on their team that even though I'd love to have a quarterback like that, I don't know if they could pay him and fill all the holes um, because they don't have that many draft picks. But I do like where your head's at because so creative. Yeah. I mean, they're more likely to go after Amari Cooper anyway. Uh, I'd be perfectly fine with that. He'd be the, a, a bad weapon that, that Sam needs if he's still here. But, yeah, you know, it's there are a lot of options. I think there are a couple of guys who could be had this offseason. It's going to be very, very interesting. And one interesting thing that I think we don't talk about enough is you look at the NFC North, there's not a team in this division that could potentially have a different QB uh, starting next year. I think all of them could, I mean, is what I'm really trying to say. You look at the Packers, they just drafted Jordan Love. I know a lot of people may be hesitant to trade Rodgers after the year he's having, but this is when you probably take advantage of it most if you're a young GM and you really believe in Love. If he's proven himself, and you say, okay, we think Love can start next year. You take advantage of how great a season Rodgers had, and you get all the draft capital you yep. can. You can arguably get at least a first-round draft pick with much more, I think, with the season he's had. You look at the Lions, and they could embrace a rebuild. Look at moving on from Matt Stafford. You look at the Bears, and I think no one's really holding on to this quarterback position. Kirk Cousins probably has the most stability out of anyone. I think that contract keeps him there for another year, no matter what, even if he maybe has a little bit of a down year. They may look to add a quarterback in the draft and then just have Kirk Cousins start for a season as they kind of groom the next guy to take over and they try to really make this work with a 
young quarterback waiting in the wings, kind of similar to, you know, Alex Smith, Mahomes, how every other team wants to do it, or similar to how the Packers are doing it right now with Rodgers and Love. But this NFC North team, uh, this NFC North division could really be shaken up this offseason. One of the guys that I really want to see get a new opportunity somewhere is probably Matt Stafford. And if you put him in a place like Carolina, put him on a team working with Joe Brady, or you put him in a spot like Indianapolis where they've really built a great roster and they're kind of, you know, held back on this inability to really explode on offense. And you add in a guy like Stafford, if he's healthy, I believe he could make a team a playoff contender. And if this team can really take those next strides, you know, whether it's Indianapolis or if it's Carolina getting better on defense, I think you really open up a chance to have something special. And yes, these teams maybe are looking to draft their next quarterback and it's a possibility. But I think one thing that isn't talked about enough is just how talented the quarterback position has gotten over the years. Guys like Jameis Winston, guys like Cam Newton shouldn't be waiting for two thirds of the off season to pass by until they're getting contract offers. Guys like Jameis Winston shouldn't be taking minimum wage jobs almost to just be a backup somewhere. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure he had been offered more money, but it's just crazy that Winston signing somewhere for like $2 million just to sit. And you look at Cam Newton to start was taking a pay cut as well as compared to what his average value would be. The league is getting filled with quarterbacks and you look at guys like Jared Goff who have a huge cap number, but the Rams could possibly get out of it. I mean, I think we're going to see a huge trend where the change between the elite quarterbacks compared to your mid-level starters, the difference in salary cap is going to be so big. And I think it's just because if you can build a great team and you can bring in someone like Sam Darnold for $7 million a year as compared to having to pay someone like Jared Goff about $25 million a year, I think the choice is easy. And yes, we haven't really seen Darnold take that next step to where he warrants this idea that he's just automatically this starting QB for a contending team or something. But if you can build a great team and you can keep your key pieces, you're keeping guys like Aaron Donalds, Jalen Ramsey's, John Johnson on this Rams squad, losing golf when you have a QB like McVay, who's so good at scheming guys open and you're bringing in a starter who maybe doesn't have as much familiarity in the system, but you're taking them for about 25% of the cap hit. It's huge for a team success and ability for team building. The, the change at QB for just throwing money at any competent QB, I think is going to be quickly changing very soon. And we're going to see some of these better teams that maybe don't have the Mahomes or the Watson or the Lamars. They're going to prove themselves to really show out which GMs are taking notice of those trends. And I think the Patriots are doing right now. You see how little they invested in cam and he's arguably the best player on offense right now. He's doing wonderfully. So far as a Patriots fan, I have no complaints. I understand that, you know, he doesn't offer the passing of a Mahomes or a Russell Wilson, but he's still a great weapon, great threat for this team that is going to lead us to win many games. You look at that and you just have to think, what's the point of paying someone 20 plus million a year if you can get someone who is in that same ballpark of play for five to 10 tops? 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, I think, again, the Patriots are one of the best organizations at being one step ahead of the game. They're always the team that maybe moves on from a guy one year too soon, but ultimately ends up being proven right. Uh, I think this is a, a special case with the Patriots because I think Belichick is thinking the exact same that we are. I think he's thinking, okay, do I necessarily need to go out and invest the capital and to get a quarterback, or do I just need to find myself a quarterback who could do enough uh, playmaking-wise uh, to get the most out of my guys you know, all, all around him? And he must have been salivating at the idea that nobody wanted Cam Newton because they were all scared off because of a shoulder injury. Uh, and he's done nothing but prove that he uh, he, he doesn't look like the Cam uh, of the, the MVP year. Uh, but I will tell you, uh, for the first couple of weeks, it does look like he has been able to turn back the clock a little bit. It's kind of looking closer to the player that we saw at the beginning of the first half of his career rather than the last couple of years. Uh, the arm strength's not entirely there, but he's making really nice deep throws. Uh, obviously, he's not running every down, uh, but he still has the same legs. Uh, he's not really punching it in and you know finishing those drives you know from the one yard line like he's normally you know accustomed to doing. Uh, but he's still capable of doing it. And for the Patriots to get Cam at the price that they did at the time that they did uh, was just absolutely superb. You know, I mentioned with this uh, when Nick and I did a one of our podcasts right you know before the season started. Uh, I, I I kept laughing and I said, you know, the Patriots are not going to start Jared instead of a quarterback. They're not going to do it. Jared Stidham, in his his first impression in the NFL, threw two garbage time pick sixes against the Jets last year when they were down by like three scores. You think Belichick was really going to give that guy the opportunity to win the starting job right out of the gate? Hell no. Of course not. And this is not to say I don't like Jared Stidham as a player. I think he's solid. I think he's more backup than starter. But you know, Belichick, obviously his his mind is, is is something that, you know, we've never seen before. Again, he must have been like when Cam was kind of sitting there for him, kind of there for the take-in. Uh, obviously, he was connected to the Patriots all throughout the offseason. They kept on not signing him. A lot of people were like, oh, you know, they really, really. And then at the very, like the 12th hour, the Patriots come in, they swoop him up, and everybody's like, uh, here we go again. They're going to win 10 games. It's going to be the same old Patriots. Kind of seems like we're turning in that direction. Kind of seems like that's where we're at. But the Patriots, more so than any other organization in the NFL, are able to pick up on trends and they are able to adapt to trends and they are able to start trends better than anybody else, right? So a couple years ago, uh, the game kind of moved in a, a really, really significant passing direction. Uh, and that is when the, the Patriots decided we're going to draft two tight ends. Uh, and then for a couple of years, what they were able to do with Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez uh, was something that no other team before was able to do because Gronk was able to block and receive. Obviously, Hernandez was a, a really nice receiver for Brady at the time. Uh, no team was capable of, of putting two tight ends on the field, let alone having linebackers and safeties with the ability to match those guys on the field. So uh, in recent years, we've seen the Patriots kind of scale back on offense, right? They went, went back to a more simplistic approach. Uh, they were really the first team, I think, to them in Seattle over the course of the last seven or eight years or so were really the, the first teams to, to significantly load up in the secondary as opposed to the def- defensive line. And we've seen that with moves with, uh, with Devin McCourty. Uh, we've seen that with guys like Akib Tlaib and Darrell Rivas kind of cycling in and out of there. 
Uh, and then Stefan Gilmore, who they signed as a free agent, has become the the guy who has replaced those guys at cornerback and kind of solidified that spot for for uh, for Bill Belichick. So we see that he's willing to to do things, and he's willing to maybe not necessarily. I mean, these guys are no brainer signings, but in the context of, of that organization, they're always seeming to do. They're always seeming. Uh, they always do stuff that's kind of a little different than the mold. Uh, always kind of different than what everybody else is doing. Everybody kind of follows a more formulaic approach, uh, and that goes when they're building a team, right? You know, the the classic way to do it is, you know, you build a quarterback, you build a line, you build on through the trenches, trenches, and then you build out, right? Uh, the last three or four years or so, most teams have drafted the quarterback, and then what they'll do is they'll take a defensive back relatively high, right? You saw this a couple of years ago with the Browns. Uh, they took Baker Mayfield, and then they took Denzel Ward. Uh, the Lions took Jeff Kuda at the, the top of the draft last year. Uh, we've seen defensive backs more so than ever, uh, especially cornerbacks, tend to go in that top five to six range. You know, a lot of teams feel like they need to grab the cornerback instead. So we got quarterbacks going early now. We got defensive backs early going early now. Uh, but now it seems like the Patriots have caught on to this trend where it seems like they're going to be perfectly okay with just like cycling through the available quarterbacks that they have at their disposal instead of going up and drafting one. And then they use the draft to their advantage too, because then they'll take a promising guy in the second or third round, like Jimmy Garoppolo, and they'll turn around a year or two later, and then they'll send that guy packing. And then Belichick will laugh in his office and he'll be like, yeah, I never, I never had plans to start that guy anyway, but good luck. Good luck. You know, and we've seen Garoppolo have some success. Obviously, went to the Super Bowl last year, but the Patriots, better more so than anybody else, know how to manipulate trends. They know how to find holes uh, in the system, so to speak. So they they are the poster child for this friend for the this time period now more so than ever. Where I think teams are going to be okay with just saying like, all right, maybe we don't need to draft a quarterback. Maybe we can go out in free agency. We'll take a guy. We'll we'll give him two, three, or four years on a contract, or maybe we'll trade for a guy who's being squeezed elsewhere. You know what I mean? I feel like that's the, that's where we're we're headed now. That's the yeah, and the, taking yeah, and taking advantage of the trends is a huge thing that you can do. The trends for this week of college football are very important for scouts at home. Brian, we got some big games in college football this week. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about them first. We got Memphis versus SMU, a very highly touted American Athletic Conference game. For my players to watch, I got Brady White, quarterback for Memphis. I think this is a huge game for him. You look at SMU secondary. They got some talented players, such as Brandon Stevens, who's listed on this list. You look at Sean Dykes. He's a moving tight end, kind of a speed weapon here. What Memphis can do this game is really prove themselves as a legit G5 team. SMU, one of the better teams as they come in the conference. This is going to be a huge game. What are your what's your breakdown for it? What's the spread and everything that you got for us? Yeah, so this game's incredibly interesting uh, because you know Memphis, who's the reigning American Conf- Athletic Conference champion, hasn't played a game in four weeks after having a COVID outbreak on the team, and during that time, SMU has started out like a house of fire, and they're three and zero. It's a it's just about a pick 'em. You know, Memphis is favored by just a single point. Uh, These teams played a 54-48 game last year that Memphis won. So odds makers expect another high-scoring game. The total set, you know, up in the mid-70s. So a back-and-forth game like this, obviously both offenses are great. 
I wonder about the Tigers conditioning a little bit, and I wonder about the depth chart because it's unreleased. So I, we don't even know who exactly is traveling with the team. So, you know, Memphis has more talent, you know, overall uh, in a vacuum. But when you look at this specific situation with the way Shane Bouchelle and the SMU offense is playing, I think they actually have a really good chance to uh, take advantage of this situation on the uh, short line. Yeah, I think SMU takes advantage and covers, and I think they win this game. Moving on to the next matchup, we got Alabama versus Texas A&M. The players to watch for me, Najee Harris, running back out of Alabama, had a outstanding season opener against Missouri. It's going to be a key piece of this Alabama offense moving forward. You look at Jalen Waddell, the wide receiver out of Alabama, is electric. You, If you like rugs, you're going to love Jalen Waddell. He is fast. He is quick out of his brace. He gets great separation in his routes. This guy is an absolute stud and a complete star meets the trends of the NFL of speed receivers that can convert that into production. Waddle is going to be in for a huge game against Texas A&M, and he's going to be in for a huge season for his draft stock. And come draft season, I think there's going to be more questions about if Waddle could be that wide receiver one than people are entertaining right now. The next guy is Christian Barmore, the defensive lineman for Alabama. I don't want this to come off as misconstrued. Just because I'm listing three Alabama players does not mean that there's not talent on this Texas A&M team. You got guys like Kellen Mond, where this is a huge game where you can really kind of prove your draft stock, figure out if you're really a legit prospect to some teams. Brian, what's your breakdown of this game, and how do you lean? Yeah, the, each of the last two years, you know, this game hasn't been close. And normally trends from previous seasons don't matter at all. But when you look at Alabama, their talent level never, ever drops off, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, you just wonder whether A&M will be able to keep up. If they do stay in the game, it's going to be because their quarterback, Kellen Mond, is doing some special things, um, you know, because, you know, Bama's going to be put pu putting points on the board with – you know, Nashi Harris is going to get his no matter what. So I will say that the public is all over Alabama, as they always are. The spread has gone, you know, from under 17 points to up around to 18 points. So anything above 17 points, I'd probably just not take Alabama because they're giving away too many points, but I wouldn't take A&M either. I'd look directly at the over, over 15, three and a half or, you know, 54 in a lot of places. These teams played to 75 points last year. Hopefully the drop-off isn't too drastic. Mac Jones has some weapons and Kellen Mond will score some points. Take the over Bama A&M. Auburn versus Georgia is going to be an exciting Saturday night matchup. You look at just how talented this secondary is for Georgia and how talented this wide receiver squad is for Auburn. Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz lining up for the Auburn receiving core, while Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes will be in the secondary for Georgia with guys like Richard LeCount playing safety. This game is going to be exciting. This game is really going to prove more and more that we need to know about the SEC this season. These two teams could easily be contenders for the SEC, and this is going to be a slugfest to really determine who that next guy is. You look at JT Daniels is expected to return this game. That'll be a huge game for him coming against an Auburn defense. Expect some rust, expect some struggles for JT Daniels, but it is still going to be exciting to watch. Brian, what is your breakdown of this game? Yeah, this is a game where we'd probably expect those defenses to dominate a little bit. The total is set around 45 points, so it's definitely going to be more defensive than, you know, that Bama A&M game, it seems like. Um, 
Georgia's offense was a little shaky against Arkansas, but its defense was really solid. And, you know, and Auburn, you know, struggled a little bit to run the ball against Kentucky, but um, Bo Nix is also really solid. So when it comes to the spread, seven and a half points, I mean, I'm taking Auburn. You know, you, Auburn to keep this game within a touchdown, I think, um, you know, they have to run the ball a little bit better than they did against Kentucky. But, you know, Bo Nix can keep this game close. I mean, I – I'm not a hundred percent sure about Auburn winning the game. I guess if I had, to, I'd say that, you know, Georgia wins the game, but not by more than a touchdown. I think Auburn covers a, uh, a tight defensive one. And that's all we got for you on destination draft day. Thanks for joining us, Brian. It's always a pleasure and we'll see you guys on Monday. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.